Welcome to the Show Me Institute podcast. I'm Zach Lawhorn from Show Me Opportunity, and today I'm joined by Jacob Puckett, David Stokes, and Elias Chapellis from Show Me Institute. David, there is a new plan in front of the St. Louis Board of Aldermen. It is for $85 million in capital improvements. Just over $65 million of that would come from the American Rescue Plan. You've seen the plan. What are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are that it's uh, you know about as about as good as one could be hoped for. Uh, as good as I could reasonably expect, we've I've been on the radio over the past week on several occasions talking about the recent Post Dispatch articles, uh, talking about how you know out of the 135 million dollars they've received from stimulus so far, they've only spent about three million of that, and the bulk of that appeared to go to gift cards. So there wasn't even productive uses. I think 78,000 have been spent on mobile vaccination clinics, which is what they what they should have spent, you know. 7.8 million on but alas this new plan to take that about 80 million dollars of which about 65 from the st- federal stimulus funds is focused more on uh, paving roads buying some new fire fire trucks re- restoring uh, bridges that need repair work and all things considered it's a it's a good use of the funds it will address legitimate public needs and and i th- and not not waste away as the old saying goes you know, when you when you spend government money on social services, you may you may or may not get better social services. When you spend it on when you spend it on a, you know other issues, you may waste the money. It may not be good. But when you when you spend it on roads, you get better roads. I'm not a huge supporter in expanding our road system everywhere, but we certainly need to keep up to date and up to good condition the ones that we have. So all in all, well, it seems like a good plan. And what about I'm the- sure it has no chance in the board of aldermen. So what about this money, a majority of this money coming from the American Rescue Plan, which is a COVID relief bill, a stimulus bill? Do you think that some of these these uh, repaving roads, can you make the connection there for COVID relief? Well, the, the, this second major stimulus bill, the first major federal bill was, was about more focused on COVID, COVID relief and COVID costs and expenses. The second stimulus act has some limitations on it, but there's no legal requirements that it be related to, to COVID. So things like road repa- repaving and restoring fire trucks and, and bridge work is all, it's all perfectly valid uses of, of that these funds. Don't get me wrong, I don't think most of the stimulus act that we're talking about should have been passed by the federal government in the first place. Enjoy your uh, 9% annually inflation rate uh, based on the latest numbers uh, as a part of that. But, you know, they have the money and I'd rather them, instead of buying gift cards for people to stand in line, here's your, I guess, repaving roads and restoring used fire trucks to better condition. New trucks is a, is a better use of the funds. Jacob, you're our transportation czar, and we talk all the time about state money through MoDOT being used. What do we know about uh, city usage of transportation money? Do we have – is there a transparency issue there? Do we know that the money that the city spends on roads and bridges is being spent well? What's the, the deal there? So for the, the state fuel tax on gasoline and diesel that's collected, 15% of that gets spread out to cities and 10% to counties. So some of the money that the state collects does get put towards uh, localities and municipalities for road maintenance within their jurisdiction. I'm not aware uh, of any transparency issues. They they get this money as a recurring um, just way of doing business and then it's it's up to them to spend it on the roads and bridges in their uh, jurisdiction so we should be able to tell 
how and if this $85 million is spent within the city, that we should be able to track it, right? Yeah, you should be able to. Now, I'm not a big fan of the city streets department. Uh, many years ago, I was criticizing some of their moves, uh, some, of their, some of their plans, and asked them for a, for a traffic study to sort of justify some of the changes they were making just to see the traffic study. And I got a call from the director of the street department him, himself in response to my rather innocuous email request. And I, so I asked him, well, can, I, can you send me the, the traffic study? And he told me, and this is a direct quote from a, several years ago, he said, Sarah, we're, we're not, we are in a complaint-driven organization. That's his quote. We are a complaint-driven organization as a street department. So I would say, uh, I would come back to say that a street department like that should be an engineering-based organization, not a complaint-driven organization. But alas, that quote was a, was a while ago, and we will see if the paving of Union Boulevard and, and Grand Avenue, which were listed in the story, we'll see if those are what's done, and we'll see if they you know, avoid parked cars in their repaving, or if they block people in or don't pave certain spots because there's a parked car there. And and on That's the tra- it, <laughs> and and on the transparency side, the city of St. Louis had a dashboard uh, on their website for tracking CARES Act uh, stimulus funds. So as as more of the American Rescue Plan funds are spent, you know, perhaps you know, residents or other Missourians would be able to see where that money is going from their website. Sure, and there's a, a story up at stltoday.com uh, that talks about this, and the alderman that's quoted in the story who's uh, pushing the the bill said that this came about because he didn't see a lot of action from the city. And David, you alluded to this, that there wasn't a lot of action from the city in spending this uh, relief money. And so I think he's quoted as he just kind of went for it. What do you think about that being the motivating factor uh, of spending tens of millions of dollars? Right. That's, that's, that's no doubt. That's sort of funny. Uh, but at least if he's going to go for it, he's going to He's going to do it in a way that's a, a truly legitimate use of local government funds and local government uh, responsibility. So if you're going to fix some bridges, there's plenty of bridges over over tracks and, and creeks and, and river de pair in Missouri. I'm sure many of them need some restoration efforts. You're going to buy better fire trucks, pave roads, restore bridges, do other necessary public works infrastructures. That's a good use of money. And if it took somebody just sort of grabbing the bull by the horns to jump forward on, on that, well, the city could be doing far, far worse with these funds. And, and I'm sure they will figure out a way how to do far, far worse with them. I, I, I do think just from a state government perspective, everything I've seen there, having someone that just runs with it, especially someone that's sort of out of the, you know, city machinery is actually probably a pretty good way to go about spending some of this money because you're looking at spending, you know, all this one-time money fixing roads and whatnot. And I mean, people I talk to that aren't from St. Louis, you know, one of the things they'll bring up is like, I went here and the roads were horrible. Like what's going on? Stuff like that. And a lot of times if you go to, you know, the people managing the streets department or something like that, like where they would say the first place to spend money, it's not necessarily where someone that's visiting St. Louis for the first time might think you need to do it. So someone from outside of, you know, the streets department coming in and saying, hey, you know, Kings Highway is pretty important in St. Louis. We should repave that. Union, pretty important. And so if you're going to spend the money, I think, you know, getting a little more consumer focused uh, approach might be better. And to another usage of the potential usage of the stimulus fund, Jacob, the trolley is still back again, still possibly, possibly, maybe, maybe kind of, sort of, 
So what's going on with the trolley? So this Friday, uh, the bi-state uh, organization, they, they run the Metro services here in St. Louis. They will have a meeting where they're going to consider partnering with the Loop Trolley Transportation Development District, which runs a loop trolley, um, to have Bi-State operate the trolley and provide um, logistical and operational support and services. But the Loop Trolley Transportation Develop- Development District would still retain ownership and financial responsibility of the trolley. In simple terms, this is the way that uh, trolley backers are trying to get the trolley up and running again. And and they're also asking Bi-State to reconsider the $1.26 million that Bi-State uh, denied giving to the trolley uh, from some leftover federal funds back in October. Uh, they want them to reconsider that to you know get the trolley back up and running again. So this would be another influx of cash. This would be... Um this would be bad money after bad money, I guess. I don't even know if it was good money to begin with. But the question here really seems like, are they going to use any money to, is it $31 million, 30-something million dollars that the government's trying to take back, right? Right. And so, so the question is, do you just pay that and just wash your hands of it and then we figure out what to do with the tracks? Or we've got to put a lot more money behind it, right? Well, that is, as they say, the $37 million question. Uh, at, at this point, the sensible thing to do seems whichever would cost taxpayers less. Because remember, this is primarily, if not entirely, funded by taxpayer money. Uh, so if if it would cost less to pay the federal government back $37 million uh, in grants um, than running the trolley for however many number of years would meet the federal government's requirement, you know, maybe that's the way to go. If we can nail down all the variables and it turns out that it's cheaper to run it for a couple years to meet the requirements, maybe that's the way to go. But someone's got to sit down and do the math. And just as a reminder, $51 million have already been spent on this. It's not like the next 1.3 million is going to put this over the edge and really make it great. We have to realize that no matter how much they spend, whether they they can run it all they want. They can spend less than $37 million and run it, and that might be the right move. But still, nobody's going to ride it <laughs> because, because it doesn't serve a need. I mean, it serves a need for a few people who want to ride it for, for fun. It's just such a strange route because the route they built this trolley is the part of the St. Louis region that is perhaps best served by public transportation. It has Metrolink. It has buses. It has Washington University uh, b- buses for students and faculty serving that area since so many live and study in, the, in that right, right area there. It has plenty of Uber and Lyft for quick ride homes from Darts at Blueberry Hill. I can attest to that. So it's not served. It's totally unnecessary what the trolley is, and it's just such a shame we're to this point. $51 million. It's not running. No one rides it. And and just as a, a fun aside for things you can actually do with comparable amounts of money, the country of India put a satellite in orbit around Mars for the grand total of $74 million. We spent $51 million and couldn't run a trolley reliably from the loop to Forest Park. What are we doing? <laughs> this, this is mismanagement of cosmic proportions. 
Coming in next year's blueprint, I look forward to Jacob's piece about how Missouri should get into the uh, the satellite game. We are going to send the trolley to Mars, and we only need $23 million more to do it. Um, all right, so moving on to another transportation topic, very transportation-heavy show. So, David Stokes, there has been talk in Washington that Senate Democrats are tossing around the idea of a federal gas tax holiday. And in Missouri, there are multiple bills moving through Jefferson City uh, that are focused on repealing last year's gas tax increase. So if you can, in your mind's eye, imagine a world where there's a federal gas tax holiday and the increase in Missouri is repealed, what does that world look like to you, David? It looks like a world with more potholes. That's what it, that's what it looks like <laughs> to me. It looks, it looks like highways with more car damage because they're repairing potholes and letting conditions on those highways uh, go to hell. Just because you can repeal, repeal gas taxes all you want. I mean, highways are still going to get used, and as they get used, they're still going to get into worse shape. And as they get into worse shape, they're going to damage your car more. So I do not think this is a good idea, especially at the federal level here. Uh, it's, a, it's a gimmick. The Show Me Institute, we have got a history of being opposed to tax gimmicks. There might be an exception here or there, but this isn't one of those exceptions. The federal gas tax is used to, to maintain and support. Nowadays, it seems much more about supporting, I'm sorry, maintaining than expanding, and I think that's probably a good thing, but maintaining the system we have so we can drive safer, more, ga- more gas efficiently, and, and with less traffic, and with all those things that are needed that the gas tax helped to fund. And I think a repeal at the federal level is a, a bad idea. At the state level, where you've got all this federal stimulus funds, and you've got the question about you know, whether they, how they went about avoiding the Hancock Amendment uh, last year to get it passed in the first place, it might be an open, an open question there. Uh, I've been on the record over the past year in support of the state gas tax increase. Uh, didn't necessarily, again, there was a gimmick in that where they gave this rebate option for taxpayers, knowing that only about 5% of taxpayers would go to the effort to claim it, and then using that rebate as a way to get around the Hancock Amendment vote. was certainly troubled by that. Uh, I'll let Elias talk more about that. He knows far more about it there. So I don't like the gimmicks. I like gas taxes to fund the transportation system that we all use and that our economy def- our economy depends on. And Jacob, part of the appeal of the gimmick from Washington would be that it would reduce the price of gas. So just I'm going to put you on the spot here. How much would a federal gas tax holiday impact Missourians at the pump? Would it be would everyone say like, "Oh man, you know, 330 gas is now 90 cents or would it be a little bit more modest than that? Well, the federal tax on gasoline is 18 cents a gallon and on diesel it's 24 cents a gallon. So you're still going to be paying in most cases well above $3 a gallon. And and it's important to keep in mind uh, the federal fuel taxes go into something called the Highway Trust Fund. And the Highway Trust Fund is what funds roughly 40% of every state Department of Transportation's budget around the country. So if you suspend the federal fuel taxes for an entire year, you're going to have to make up that money somehow. You're either going to raise some other tax now, or you're going to borrow more money now and raise some other tax later in the future, and you're still going to reimpose the fuel tax at the beginning of 2023. 
So it it sounds more like a gimmick to me than a serious proposal. If, if they get rid of the federal gas tax, the four of us are getting in a car, and the next podcast is in Vegas, and you can <laughs> you can book it. You're right. The only thing preventing that is that there's a federal gas tax. Right, that exactly. Once, once gonna, that hurdle we're is go, cleared, we're gonna go nuts. Yeah. Right. Um, Elias, what is there any update on the uh, gas tax increase repeal in Jefferson City? Yeah, the this week the House committee voted out a bill to repeal the gas tax from last year, and so uh, the there was actually pretty overwhelming support in the committee for it. A lot of people testified, um, and a lot of that goes back to what David mentioned, which is you know the state of Missouri has gotten a lot of additional federal funds um, for the roads. And so, you know, maybe at this time that gas is well over $3 a gallon and there was all this money on the way, maybe Missouri didn't need to be raising the gas tax. But my objection to it is much more uh, centered around the Hancock Amendment, like David mentioned, which is essentially that Missouri kind of skirted this law that, uh, you know, is a part of Missouri's constitution that basically said, you know, you should ask voters if they want their taxes to go up. And what you've seen with Missouri uh, going around this – where Missouri voters, you know, said they didn't want to raise gas taxes, then the legislature did it. Uh, now you see MoDOT come to uh, Jefferson City and they say, hey, well, you know, actually the legislature can't even tell us how to spend the road fund and we are going to use the money to give ourselves raises. And so, you know, there needs to be some level of accountability with Missouri's uh spending on roads. Um, the gas tax, you know, normally is the best way to do it, but we certainly shouldn't be in a position that with all the money coming in, we shouldn't be in the position that we need to be, you know, vo- avoiding voter scrutiny on something like this. It's way too important for that. Well, and if they repave Kings Highway, you're going to be <laughs> enjoying it, right? You're going to hey, do a lot more driving. Hey, it'll be much better for my car. And, and, and one key issue with um, the potential repeal of last year's fuel tax increase in Missouri. And and this is something Elias and I wrote about in our testimony. You can see it on our website. Uh, Elias goes into lots of detail on the Hancock Amendment stuff. And and also, um, the federal funds are really key to this. You get them for five years. The gas tax wasn't supposed to be fully phased in for five years. And you're going to get a lot more money specifically for roads and bridges from the stimulus funds over those five years than you would from increasing the fuel tax as it's supposed to. So this is something that lawmakers and MoDOT, I think, should be considering, you know, in tandem to see what which is going to get Missourians the best deal. This one sounds a lot less gimmicky to me than the federal gas tax holiday. All right. And another thing that uh, lawmakers are considering, always considering for the last couple of years, it seems, is Medicaid expansion. Elias, there's been a little bit of movement on it. What's going on? Well, everyone can, uh, you know, hopefully look forward to voting on Medicaid expansion uh, in a few months. The uh, House of Representatives voted out another amendment to Missouri's Constitution uh, this week, which would essentially try to address some of the issues that the constitutional uh, amendment uh, with Medicaid expansion um, basically introduced. And one of those things was essentially that Missouri's legislature had no say over um, – you know, what could be done with the Medicaid population. And so what has happened, especially now that there's this uh, pandemic, the state's uh, Medicaid enrollment has jumped over 30-some percent. Um, part of that is expansion, but a lot of it's not. And with all the, um, you know, new enrollees, the cost is very expensive. So the legislature's trying to figure out, you know, what to do with it. And 
Uh, there's been articles this week, you know, not even talking about Medicaid expansion, just talking about, well, you know, as a pandemic wraps up, the state of Missouri is going to start uh, looking at people on the Medicaid rolls and, you know, potentially people dropping off those rolls. And the reason for that is the federal government has been saying uh, since the pandemic began that states could not check whether people on the program were eligible. Essentially, you would apply. If you qualified, you would then stay on it for until the federal government said that they could check to see if you enroll again. And, you know, you can think of many examples where, you know, a parent or something but loses their job, needs some health insurance for a period of time, enrolls their kid, gets a job again, and, you know, gets their work-sponsored uh, insurance and goes about their life. But in Missouri, how that would work right now is you would have gotten enrolled and you stay on it, even if you go back on your uh, private health insurance. And what this means is that Missouri's paying health insurance for people that already have it and aren't using it. And it's very expensive. And I think our legislature is trying to uh, reckon with that because as soon as the federal uh, public health emergency is over, a lot of those federal funds stop coming. And so Missouri could be paying hundreds of millions of dollars per month for people that shouldn't be on the Medicaid program in the first place. And so getting a, getting their hand, getting a handle on Medicaid expansion and this growing enrollment is probably one of the most important things the legislature can do this year. It's always, I like to re remind myself that there's certain people in the political spectrum who view the success of government by how many people it puts on various welfare programs and how more people on Medic Medicare, Medicaid, food stamps, on and on. The larger the number, that's a good thing as opposed to trying to focus those efforts on helping the people that truly need to be helped and and protecting the taxpayers as well on the people who should who might have needed them temporarily but now should be moved moved off. We don't we don't move forward as a society by putting as many people as we can on on the various welfare relief programs that we have. So Elias, does it seem likely to you that we will be asked to vote on Medicaid expansion again in November? Uh, I don't think I would say it's probably not likely, honestly, but I do think that there is um, a growing desire as soon as the legislature figures out, you know, just how hard it's going to be to handle uh, the cost of Medicaid expansion, especially because the way the initiative uh, that passed was worded is that you can't have uh, different coverage for people um, in the expansion group versus other populations. So what that means is Missouri is paying the same for a healthy adult that's on Medicaid as they are for, you know, someone that is elderly or, you know, much older. And when you think about the cost of health insurance, you know, the, those are very, they have, people have very different health needs. And so you're, you're going to be losing a lot of money unless the state of uh, Missouri can basically tailor the coverage to the people that are on it. And so um, if if they if the legislature can't figure out a way around that, uh, we're looking at a more and more expensive Medicaid program. All right, certainly something we will be talking about again. David, what are you keeping tabs on over the next week? A couple bills in the legislature. Uh, this is sort of the the height of the season for that. There's a bill 2177 in the House Bill 2177 to expand land banks throughout Missouri. Uh, land banks are something that we have in St. Louis and Kansas City and uh, newly done in St. Joseph, they've completely failed where they're established. The land bank in St. Louis has not succeeded in getting uh, derelict, tax-delinquent, various properties back into private hands. 
Uh, the Kansas City Land Bank has failed as well. It's newer than the St. Louis Land Bank, but the Kansas City Star just had a story in December of 2021 about the myriad of failures and problems with their land bank. Last year, there was a bill to get a land bank in Springfield, which almost passed, but thankfully did not. And the sponsor of that bill decided that instead of simply introducing a bill this year to go for one in Springfield, which would have been bad enough, but now it's basically authorizing a land bank in just about every city and county in the state of Missouri, which is a terrible, terrible idea. So uh, very much hoping that uh, we've, we're submitting testimony in opposition to this terrible proposal and very much hope that uh, wiser heads prevail, prevail in the state legislature and this bill gets defeated and killed dead for a long time. Jacob. Not to mince words on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is also uh, a, a very bad bill on electric transmission in the legislature. Uh, still still keeping, eye, keeping an eye on when a hearing might be, but it would essentially expand monopoly power um, in Missouri for utilities building out transmission lines. It would really block off any type of uh, competition in, in the bidding process to build these lines, which has saved costs around the country and can cut costs here in Missouri. Uh, so that's, that's something uh, legislators should keep in mind when they're looking at this bill. I think electric transmission in the legislature sounds like a terrific name for a disco tribute band. (laughs) We'll have to listen to that on our road trip to Vegas. Uh, (laughs) Elias, what are you keeping tabs on? Uh, So I'll be keeping tabs on the supplemental funding bill. So the Senate Appropriations Committee voted out the $4.5 billion supplemental funding bill today. So that is a bill that includes uh, funding for DESE that Susan's talked a lot about. Uh, it includes money for raises for state employees. The, the House recently took out the uh, $15 minimum wage for state employees. Um, an article I read earlier today said that the Senate is adding that back. And so we'll see if the Senate uh, can pass the supplemental funding bill on the floor because there is a short timeline in terms of um, I think all of that needs to be approved by sometime in March for all the uh, DESE funding that Susan's talked about. But um, – if the Senate passes the bill that the committee voted out, because it will be different than what the House passed, you'll have to go to a conference committee and both chambers will have to pass things again. And so something on a short timeline with as little as getting with as little as is getting done in the Senate right now, um, I would say hitting the timelines are a little bit up in the air, especially since the governor said he wanted the raises for um, state employees to start on February 1st. I think we missed that one a little bit. So hopefully we don't Hopefully we don't miss the uh, DESE deadline in March, but uh, we'll be keeping tabs on that next week. All right. As always, plenty more at showmeinstitute.org. Jacob, David, Elias, thank you very much.